welcome to the Go and Tell Gals podcast with Jess Connolly and Kanisha Bikes. Today, we're talking to one of our friends, a woman who runs on mission. We are praying this conversation leaves you fired up and ready to go right where you're at. We're super thankful for you. Let's go. All right, friends, we have a great treat today, and that is that we have my friend Taylor Schumann on the podcast, and not only do I love Taylor, and she's an actual friend, but I love today because it's her actual book launch day, so I just want to say, hey, Taylor, number one, thanks for being here, and thanks for being here on your launch day. Oh my goodness, thank you for having me. It's like the best way to spend launch day. We're going to get into your book, we're going to talk about all the things, but... For those listening who might like one day want to write a book or who are just interested in or curious, what is a book launch day like for you? What's it feeling like? You know, there's like so much lead up to the actual day. So it it starts to feel a little strange when you kind of wake up and that sort of like time crunch, like that pressure is off a little bit and you can you know, enjoy it. My phone's been going crazy today and which is fun, all good things. So it's just, it's nice to be able to just enjoy it a little bit and sit back and, you know, reflect on all the hard work and all the hard work of other people to help, you know, make it happen. That's really nice to kind of be able to talk to some of those people and, you know, thank them for their hard work and, and just see kind of the fruit of the past couple of years working on it. Yeah, so good. Okay, well, today's the launch day of When Thoughts and Prayers Aren't Enough. And we're going to talk about the actual book in a second. But before we get to it, I want to address something interesting. But like, let's just bring this up because it's helpful to know for other people. So you and I recorded a podcast episode, I want to say in like winter 2020, like early winter, January, February, maybe. I think it was actually, I think it was like the beginning of December 2019. So we were on our game. This is before we like pause the podcast and relaunch the podcast. We were on our game. We were recording all these podcast episodes. Sometimes we record them pretty like fresh right now. Like we're recording this on Tuesday. It's going to come out on Thursday. But for the most part, we try to be pretty intentional and thoughtful. And so we had banked all these amazing podcast episodes. I was actually going to take a few months off. And then the pandemic hit in 2020, and we kind of kept pushing those first few weeks of like, well, we'll push until things feel normal again, because we don't want to put out all these episodes, obviously, and be tone deaf of like, things are weird. Like, we can't just pretend like this didn't happen. So we ended up never airing that episode. And later, I was like, hey, can we just record again? Because number one, let's do it when your book comes out. And number two, everybody's been through a lot. So I mean, just in general, as a human, as a woman, as a mother, how are you holding up in July, 2021? Yeah, it's been a wild ride. (laughs) Am I right? Yeah. It's, you know, we had that conversation and I remember like distinctly talking about it because I had just finished my book proposal and we were starting to shop it around as is the appropriate term to publishers. And I remember, you know, we, we prayed for like the right publisher to to be interested in it and wanna wanna make help me with the book. And I signed my book contract at the very end of December that month. And, you know, I was gonna start writing in January. I had six months to 
to write the book and COVID happened. So, you know, I got a couple of months of writing in and then, you know, my son's school shut down. My husband was working at the hospital here in Charleston. So he gets put on the kind of the COVID team, helping with all the medication and ultimately with the vaccine. And so it was a lot. It was really hard. It was hard to kind of be experiencing the state of the world along with everyone else. And also I was having to spend any sort of spare moment I had writing this book and, you know, putting myself back into a tender and hard place in my free time. So that was difficult. It was hard to find like pockets of rest and peace. Yeah. Probably is the right word. Yeah. Because everything was just so, so much. And I think also too, you know, COVID eventually became like such a divisive divisive topic. Yeah. And I was, you know, really trying to advocate in, in that space for taking care of others and loving our neighbor and getting pushed back for that and also getting pushed back at the same time for writing the book I wrote. And it felt sort of like every, every space was occupied by argument and debate and kind of this us against them mentality that we've seen a lot of. And so that was a lot. I think that, you know, we're, we're sort of coming out of it. It's still real. It's still affecting people, but we're, you know, many of us are trying to figure out how we can get back into a normal place of life. And I think for me, it was, it was so hard. Like everyone else can say who maybe was going through like personal hard things during COVID, you know, because of the nature of the pandemic, you're going through them by yourself. So in a, another season where I, I might've had, help or friends to see or support, you know, all of that was, was gone too. And, you know, I, I had a much easier time than a lot of people did. A lot of people, you know, lost loved ones and, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic for where we're, where we are at now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little tired, <laughs> I think. Sure. Same. <laughs> Yeah. I, what, when I think about you writing that book, I mean, because we're friends, I could check in on you and hear how you were doing. And I think it's important. That wasn't just a, it, it was particularly hard to write a book during the pandemic, I believe and agree with you. And also, I think it's worth busting the myth in general, because I think for so many women who want to write books or who have some kind of calling outside of something they're already engaged with, that there's like a romance around it, right? That there's like this perceived romance. I always like to tell women like, hey, just as an FYI, like I've never done like a writing retreat. I know that works for some women that they get to have a hotel room for like four days and get all the words out. Like that's never been my reality. I still have to go to work. I still have kids. Like we, we still have to do the things. And yeah, the the reality of a lot of days, you're going to feel a lot of tension in different spaces. There's really not going to be, you know, a lot of people inviting you and saying like, what we'd really like you to do is to step into the middle of the room and say something like a little bit pokey, you know, like people actually don't really invite you to do that. The spirit invites you to do that. Thank God. I loved watching you persevere 
through that because that's what you did. And this really beautiful book came out of it. We were actually talking in the Go and Tell Gals office this morning about it's so much more normal now to hear this kind of like, hey, you can quit if you want to message, which is really helpful and life-giving, but it's almost becoming rarer to be able to like have a friend who comes up beside you and says like, hey, you can quit if you want to, but I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah. This is actually just hard, you know? And so I'm so glad you didn't quit. (laughs) And I'm so glad you got this book out because it's so good and so important. Okay, shifting into when thoughts and prayers aren't enough. So I go and tell gals here, y'all have heard us say it a million times. We want to equip women to use what they've got for the good of others and the glory of God. We believe if you've got something, if you've got a story, if you've got a gift, if you've got a word, if you've got a business idea and it serves other people and it gives God glory, you better just go ahead and do it. That's it. Like that's what it means to hear from God. But a lot of times what we have is our pain, our trauma, and that is less enjoyable to give the world. And that's absolutely your story. So in light of that, will you just tell us about the book? Tell us about how you got here and yeah, what it's been like to use your own actual pain to serve other people. Yeah. So I wrote the book, When Thoughts and Prayers Aren't Enough, because in 2013, I was wounded in a school shooting at a community college that I worked at. And it flipped my life upside down. Not only, you know, my physical life, but my spiritual life, ultimately, in some ways, my political life, I guess you would say. And and through that experience, kind of becoming up close and personal with gun violence, what it does to a body, what it does to families and communities, and how it affects people, you know, through getting to know other survivors and other people who have lost loved ones. You know, God used that time in my life to see those people that I had not really had to see before because I wasn't one of them. I didn't really have to see those people. I could pray for them and be sad for them and think about how awful it was. And then I could go back to my normal, happy, safe, comfortable life. And I no longer could do that. And God, you know, sort of used this to bring me into a marginalized community of people Mm -hmm. and see them and want to advocate for them and do work that makes it so that there are less of us in the future, less people affected by gun violence. Yeah. One thing I really talk about in the book is how I had to get to know a different God in a lot of ways because my life was, you know, I went through like hard things, but Overall, my life was very comfortable and happy, and I loved and served and believed in a God of good times, and Mm. I didn't have to know a God of suffering and heartache and comfort yet in my life. And then all of a sudden, I did. It forced me to see this God who comforts the brokenhearted and wants us to lay down our own comforts for our neighbor and take care of the marginalized people that forced me to say, I don't think some of these things that I believe are good. I don't think I believe them anymore. I don't think the pieces fit. What does that mean? And so a lot of the book, it it will share my story, kind of my journey walking through some of these questions, how I came to where I am. That's the first part of the book. And then the second part of the book is a, a hard look at 
the types of gun violence we have in America, how they're affecting our cities and our communities, our children, people in our country. And we talk through some questions about how we might be able to reduce those numbers, save more lives. We talk through some myths and facts, and I talk from a a place of faith and ask some hard questions. And yeah, I I hope that it serves as, as a conversation with people that read the book help inform them, help them ask themselves some some questions too. But yeah, that's that's kind of the nitty-gritty. So good. You and I were talking a few months ago and I said something along the lines of, you know, that like watching you and thinking about the book coming out, I was I'm like really compelled by the idea of a story and how it's more difficult, but it's not impossible, unfortunately, to refute someone's story than it is even to like refute or ignore their perspective, their ideology, right? Yeah. And so this bums me out because the true story is like it is it is still very possible to refute someone's story to say that's not real. I know you've experienced a lot of that in light of this launch, but I think like if I could give a quick invitation to, and then just make some space for you to do the same, that this is so powerful just to listen. And and I want to actually speak to other women. (laughs) And I want to just say like, it's so powerful just to listen to other women and to put down some preconceived notions about what we think about them or what we think about their life. I think it's interesting. I think this is the kind of thing that we like nod along with on on like Instagram when someone posts a meme and they're like, you know, babe supporting babes. Like we like like that Instagram post, yeah. but we really don't listen to other women a ton. We come to the table with a lot of, again, preconceived notions about what's working for them and why they're doing that and what their motive is. And I just think one of the most powerful things we can do is look at other image bearers and, again, specifically other women who are like us and say, like, hey, we ha- we are sisters. We have this thing together. I want to hear you. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to hear what this was like for you. What would you add to that? Like, is there anything that you'd add to that invitation? And again, because I know it's not even about like, you want them to just listen to you, but like, but I would say, I do want them to listen to you. I want them to listen to Taylor. I want them to listen to this book. What's your perspective on that and the stories, et cetera? I think that one thing I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about as I have prepared to launch this book is thinking about the things in recent years that I have either learned about or changed my perspective on or maybe have developed a deeper knowledge base on something that that I didn't know about. I think about things like police brutality and racial inequality, refugees, immigration, these kinds of things, because I have not experienced those things. I have not experienced police brutality. I have not had to experience being a refugee and fleeing from my home and needing a safe place to go. But I can listen to stories from other people. That's what I've got. Yeah. And God created us to be in community with one another, not just because that helps us have physical needs met and spiritual needs met, but because that offers the opportunity to see other people, to see the experiences they have, how God created them, how their lives are different from ours. And it shows us places we can support them and love them and fill in those gaps that we just do not have. Yeah, And we have to do that because none of us can experience every single thing in the world. That's not how it works. So we have to listen to each other 
to be able to say, wow, I didn't know that. I never could have known that. Now what's my role here? Yeah. Uh, What can I advocate for? What can I be aware of in myself? Where's a place, a weakness for me here? You know, and I think we're seeing that with a lot of things. And and gun violence is is one of those things. It has to be because as prevalent as it is, most people don't know someone personally who has been shot or has lost someone to gun violence. So you have to listen to other people's stories if you want to know what it's like, know what they need, know what we're missing. And it doesn't always have to be political. It can be community-based. It can be faith-based, however you feel led to approach it. But either way, you have to know. You have to know what they need mm-hmm. and what we're missing. And so, so good. offering stories sometimes is, is all you've got. And that's enough. It doesn't mean that we should listen to people's stories and you know, not look for confirmation or look for truth. It doesn't mean, you know, listen to every single thing and and never seek out more information, but it does mean listening and opening yourself up to to things that might be different. Yeah. And and seeing where the Lord is leading you, letting him show you what you can do with that. And so, yeah, if if you're someone who is thinking, I don't know, that book doesn't sound from like it's for me, that might mean it is. Mm. And that's true of, of mine or any other book. And I think, or any other podcast, whatever it is. And, you know, I think in particular for gun violence, if it's something that you feel very strongly on, if it's something that you care very much about, whether you are a gun owner, you've always been that way, you're not so sure about gun reform. If that's you and you're thinking these things, it sounds like you're a thoughtful person who takes that seriously. And I think anything that we take seriously enough to be passionate about it, we have to be thoughtful about it. And that means listening to something that might be different from what you know. And so if all I am offering here for you is a different perspective, a personal story, some new facts, a new conversation, a new way to talk about it, then I am happy to offer that. That is, that's what I want. That's what I want from from this book. Hey friends, Brenna here. In case you haven't heard, If Lead is August 7th, and guys, you can't miss this. You've probably heard about the If Gathering before, and If Lead is just as incredible. After one of the hardest years of being a leader, it's time to rebuild. The reality is this, people have a spiritual hunger that we hold the answer to, and never in our lifetime has it been more important to feed hungry people. Whether we're leading our families, our teams, our classrooms, or our Bible studies, there's a lot of work to be done, and we are the people God is called to do it. During If Lead 2021, we want to give you practical conversations, teaching, and next steps that will help you remember that you're not alone and equip you to reclaim discipleship in this new day. We know you're tired, and we want If Lead to be a chance for you to reset for the fall. Some of our very favorite Bible teachers are going to be there, and Jess will even be leading a breakout. Go grab a couple of friends and watch it in your living room. It'll be the perfect refresher you need to be encouraged as you move forward. You can get your digital pass at iflead2021.com. Passes start at just $29. That's iflead2021.com, which we've linked to in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. 
Okay, two thoughts. I want to say something bad about the internet. I want to say something good about the internet. <laughs> so something bad about the internet is that this is what we know. Like we've definitely, if you don't know, please listen up. This is really important that you need to know about the internet. <laughs> it shows you what you want to see. And it silos you into groups of people who already believe what you want to believe. That's just what it is. It's, an, it's the algorithm. It's how it works. It's how the big businesses that run the internet make money. And so we saw this, right, massively polarize us in 2020 and distort what is truth and what is facts and what is news and what is not. None of this is a political statement. This is like a business fact. This is how the internet works. It leads you to the things that you already essentially agree with. It leads you to follow those people and puts those posts in front of you. It's not like the internet has a soul and it has bad intentions. It's just a business. And that's the best way to make money off of people. So that being said, I even think it's so interesting. Like a lot of times I, Taylor, you probably heard me say this definitely on the podcast. People have heard me say this. I'm a student of the internet. I like to watch it. I like to pay attention to it. And so it's always fascinating to me when I see someone who I know already holds a perspective aggressively and kind of like actively seeking out more Mm. information on that perspective. And that's not to say that it's not healthy. There can be other reasons to like continually like learn more or to find new resources to share with people. But for me, like, for example, I don't continually listen to podcasts that convince me that like, I'm trying to think of something I already believe, you know, (laughs) like that I like the Bible. I know that. I don't really need convincing of that. I do like the Bible. It's really helpful for me to listen to podcasts about people who have like conflict with the Bible or have confusion about the Bible because then I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not trying to have my absolute mind changed about the Bible. I'm going to still hold that perspective and that conviction to be true, but I get to hear their perspective. So the way I talk and the way that I learn and the way that I listen shifts And I would just say that, like, that's something bad about the internet. Now, here's something good about the internet, and I'm actually going somewhere with this point. Something that's good about the internet that I notice is that it gives us insight into how to better receive services from people. So again, I'm going somewhere with this. Let me give you an example. Like, every genre of work has its own subset on the internet. If you didn't know this, like there are like famous cheerleading groups on the internet. There's like hairstylists who are famous on the internet. There's like people who do curling, the Olympic sport, who are famous on the internet. That's that's who their people follow. My example is like hairstylists. Like when I started following a few hairstylists on the internet, I realized like, oh, there's like an actual way that I can approach my hairstylist in a way that helps her do her job better. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, she'll post like, hey, just here are five tips for when you go to your stylist, like bring an actual picture. Don't make it unrealistic. Make sure you book enough time, et cetera. So I'm like, oh, this is great. This is, I get to help her do her job better. Likewise, I don't think there are many people who talk about this, but maybe you and I will start this conversation, Taylor. But like, there's some things that you could do to help authors serve you better. And one of them is, I'm going to just say this from my perspective, Taylor, you can agree or not agree. One thing you could do if you want to really get the utmost service from an author, because that's what we want to do. We want to actually help you experience God or experience your life in a better way is don't ask, but do you talk about this? Yeah. I get this a lot, like from people before they read the book, like, did you talk about A, B, and C? Yeah. Did you talk about D, E, and F? Yeah. And here's why, because you need to know upfront that we did not talk about everything. Yeah. 
like 60 to 70,000 words is a lot, but it's, it's not everything. And like, I know you feel this, like we, no one is the expert on the thing they're writing on. I don't even know what it means to be an expert. Like they're just someone brave enough to say like, here's my perspective. Here's what I've got. Here's what I found. So that being said, you do a really incredible job in one of the chapters of saying like, I want to just meet some of your objections right away. Like it's really one of my favorite chapters in the book because it's like short and simple. And you basically just go through all of these really common objectives towards gun reform. I want to tell you like, buy the book and then skip to that chapter if you need to, even before you start reading it, because it's going to hit some of your objections. But what are some of the other objections that you're finding readers might have toward even just buying the book or wanting to hear more about it? And could you speak to some of those? Yeah, I think that there is an assumption, since it's about guns and gun reform, that I am uh, sort of like pushing a political agenda and you could interpret it that way. It would be very easy to do that if you want to, because I, you know, we have a two-party political system in America, and one party is more likely to be advocating for gun gun reform and gun control. So if you think that, you'll probably think that no matter what. Really, what I'm advocating for is thoughtful consideration about guns and gun reform and what you believe and a faith-based perspective on those things. And whatever that leads you to do, however that leads you to vote, that's your path that you have to go on. I cannot tell you like what that means for you and what you should do, who you should vote for. That's not my job. What I am doing is offering my story, offering what I know, what I believe, how I interpret things, and you can read that. And if you say, well, I gave it you know, a chance, but I still think all the same things. Thank you so much for willing to read it. It's hard. It's hard to read things that you're uncomfortable with and you don't really know what you're going to think about it. We don't really like to do that. I don't particularly enjoy it. So thank you. If you read it and you think, wow, I didn't know any of this. I think that I might be shifting in, in a few ways here. Thank you. Thank you for reading it. Thank you for being willing because that shift is also not fun. It can be very jarring and scary and uncomfortable. So from however you come to the book, thank you for reading it and being willing to pick it up. So that's kind of the one objective I see. The other is surprised me a little bit, but maybe it shouldn't have was about the title um, when thoughts and prayers aren't enough. I think there is an assumption that anyone who might be a Christian and also thinks that we should be taking sort of practical action on gun violence in America is against prayer or that we don't believe in prayer because we're tired of that phrase, thoughts and prayers, because we hear it in the aftermath of shootings. We hear it in the aftermath of any sort of mass violence or you know, even things like the um, condo collapse a few weeks ago in Miami, you know, we're thinking and praying of the families and, okay, that's great. Thank you. Thank you for praying. I believe in the power of prayer. I would not be where I'm at today if people had not prayed for me. I absolutely believe, you know, I think people praying for me has physically taken away pain from my life when I needed it, held me up, sustained me. It is because I believe so deeply in the power of prayer that I am tired of it being used as a cop-out 
for not doing anything else, especially from people who have the power to do more. You know, when my neighbor down the street says, oh, we're praying for you. Thank you. That's great. They can't pass laws on their own. They can't, you know, budget for safety measures and all those things. But my state politician, they can. That's their whole job. And while I appreciate the prayers and the thoughts, they are both good. There is more that we can do. And so to say, to sort of use it as a a to-do, a check-off, oh, I offered my thoughts and prayers, check, I'm good. No, we're not going to use prayer. We're not going to use God as a reason to sit on our hands. And that's why the book is titled that. You know, prayer should be the beginning of what we do. It should not be the end of what we do. Um, We're here on the earth to meet physical needs. And, you know, we talk about the story of the Good Samaritan, you know, people just passing this guy on the side of the street who needs medical attention, is probably hungry, (laughs) needs a place to go. And, you know, we pray for him. That's so nice. But he needs a place to go and he needs a doctor and he needs help. And we have the power to offer those things. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where we're at with this as well. Yeah. And I would say like coming full circle, like, I love that you said that. I had never even thought about that objection, but that's so good. And the truth that, right, we value prayer so much that we would affirm. Also, when you think and pray about gun violence, that you would be stirred, that you wouldn't be like, I thought about that. And I prayed about that. Yeah. And now I'm good. Like, yeah, like actual prayer, actual prayer shifts the way we see people and shifts the way we see God. It changes everything. Like, yes, we value prayer so much. And so maybe like the natural question for everybody is like, okay, well, I do, do I think and pray about everything and then change everything? Like that's like full circle back to it. Like we hold what we can And we listen to people who can like carry different torches and we honor them when they carry them. We say like, Taylor, thank you so much. You did not have to do this. You did not have to carry this torch. You could have spent the rest of your life just experiencing your own healing and letting God soothe your soul from the trauma that you endured and survived. We just thank you for saying like, I'll hold this one. I'll take this one. And we're going to read your perspective and we're going to listen to your tips because We know that in our actual life, for me, for Jess Conley, it's not going to mean that I wake up every single day and think about gun reform, but I am going to listen to the people who do. (laughs) I'm going to listen to the people who do when they say like, hold on, there's this one thing I need you to know about this. And so everybody gets to have their own thing. It goes back to what you were saying when people will say, but are you going to talk about this? Did you talk about this? Are you going to say anything about this? I cannot say everything about everything as much as I would like to. Yeah. I am not an expert on this. Like you said, I don't know what that would look like for me to be an expert on something, Mm -hmm. but this is, this is where God has placed me. This is what he has given me to steward. And so it's not my job to be an expert on Mm -hmm. COVID or racial inequality or any other theology. I mean, those aren't my areas and guess what? There are people who we love and know and appreciate that those are their areas. So what we do is use the platforms we have to elevate those voices and to say, hey, you are wondering about this. Here's a great person who can speak 
speak to that thing. And if there's something important, I will always do my best to to elevate someone else's voice or point people in the direction they need to go and or say something about it if I feel that it's in line with with um, beliefs I, I publicly have. I'll always do my best to do that. But I'm also one person and I'm a human person. You know, sometimes I'll get messages saying, well, I didn't see you talk about this shooting or you didn't say anything about this shooting. And it would be impossible for me to talk about every single one. And also I am a shooting survivor myself. And so while sometimes speaking out about gun violence is a form of healing and care for myself and others, sometimes the form of care I can give myself is to not and to let someone else do that. And that's why there have to be a lot of us invested in something because I can't do it all. You can't be the only person talking about, you know, how God has created our bodies and that they are good. You can't be the only person doing that. That's why we write books. That's why we help equip other people to, to know and to see those things so they can also speak into the people they know about them. Okay, here's my final entreaty. I would like you all to buy when thoughts and prayers aren't enough. I'll tell you, like, some people might won't be tempted to say, like, oh, this will be a hard read. It is a provocative read in that it makes you think and it makes you feel, but it's a very enjoyable book to read. And I want you to hear me say that, like, as should anything that, like, aligns with God's heart. And it does. Like, it makes me love God and it makes me see God and it definitely makes me see God in Taylor's writing and in her story and in her wisdom. And so I want you to hear me say that, like, you're going to read it and say, I'm gl- I'm really grateful I read this. I'm really glad I, I sat down and part in this today. And so I want to just thank you, Taylor, for using what you've got for the good of others and for God's glory. We're so thankful. We're listening, we're paying attention and we're looking down at our own hands to see, okay, what do I have? What's my story? What's my piece of this for helping see the kingdom come here on earth in Jesus name. Thank you. Hey friends, thanks for joining us today. We pray this conversation encouraged and equipped you. God is mighty in you. We want to encourage you to keep going. If you have not subscribed to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, make sure you do that. We want to make sure that you hear all our new episodes and absolutely please follow along at Go and Tell Gals on Instagram.